The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I'm Mike Stevens of the Hockey News, and sitting across from me is the one, the only, the man I spent yesterday in the trenches with, Stephen Ellis, also of the Hockey News. Stephen, we uh, we made it. We survived deadline day. We covered every single trade, no matter how big, no matter how small, on the hockeynews.com. Yes, oh. missed one. He missed one. Oh yeah, you okay? You brought so you brought it up to me today. It, it unfortunately missed. The Belleville Senators trading Tyrell Goulburn to the Stockton Heat for future considerations. We missed that one. Other than that, we got 99.9% of all the trades that happened yesterday. Pretty, pretty insane stuff. I'm not even sure if like this is a real conversation we're having or if you're a figment of my imagination right now. Um, because I'm just I'm so tired. Also, not to not to to hoard the start of the show, but I remember you know, you and I we were working in the office yesterday. And I was like, you know, as a reward for myself, I have a I have a twenty five dollar Cineplex gift card burning a hole in my pocket. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch Batman again. So I go nine thirty showing, and excited. Got my popcorn. Got my drink. I'm exhausted. I'm like, ah, this is this is my relief. It's gonna be great. He rolls fifteen minutes and he rolls into the Batcave, and I hear a weird alarm start to go off. I go, that's weird. I don't remember this part of the movie. And turns out the fire alarm in the entire uh, 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 movie theater went off the movie stops playing and it, it took like f- it took like half an hour for the firefighters to get there by that time it's like 10 30 i'm like you know what nope i'm going home so now i now i got to figure out how to get my money back so that, that was lovely how's your post deadline day going oh this let's put it this way it was way busier on free agent frenzy day because yeah. I think there were 70 something signings and I wrote about every single one of those. So the deadline trade deadline felt a little easier. Um, but it, it was nice. Like I played some guitar, played some eye racing, did some stuff. It's it's, it was a day. Look at you go. Look at you go. Well, Steven, it, what's great is that we are uh, uh, basically we're over 24 hours away from the deadline. Like we, like we are like it, it is past it is past over 20, 25, 25 hours and 40 minutes ago. And there was still a pending trade on the docket. <laughs> there is still a trade that has not been processed. Um, now I want to break this down with you quick. We'll bring you, this is a trade deadline, you know, focused episode. Obviously we're going to, we're going to break, essentially just go down the major deals of the, of the day, give our thoughts on them. It's going to be great. Um, but we have to talk about the deal that is in limbo right now. Evgeny Dadnov, um, has been traded, or uh, you would think of Evgeny Dadnov has been traded. The Vegas Golden Knights are trying to clear out some cap space, so you would think they have traded Dadnov in a second round pick um, to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks uh, uh, for defenseman John Moore and the contract of Ryan Kessler that is on LTIR. Um, they desperately need the cap space. The I believe it'll be two point two five million that'll be cleared um, off their cap by by swapping out. Dadnov uh, uh, for more, and then there's 6.75 they can put on LTIR in uh, in Kessler to help them activate some guys off. So let's talk about the situation. The situation is uh, that Dadnov apparently had a 10 team no trade list on on the on the two year 10 million dollar contract he signed with Ottawa two years ago, um, or no, the three year 15 million dollar contract. Sorry, that he signed uh, two years ago. He's got one year left on it now. Um, apparently when Ottawa traded him to Vegas in the summer, um, they like Vegas claims that they didn't, they weren't made aware that he had a 10 team, no trade list. And the thing is Anaheim is on that 10 team, no trade list. So they trade. So they technically traded him to a team that they weren't allowed to trade him to. Now there is apparently proof that Dadunov submitted that trade, his 10 team, no trade to Ottawa. Like, so that it's out of his hands. It's fine. It happened. And the trade and the the no trade clause carries between like no matter who you get traded to. So Vegas, I, there are two things that could have happened here. Um, Vegas doesn't know how to access cap friendly, 
even though they employ the guy who created General Fanager, which is the the father of cat friendly, essentially. Um, or they just tried to screw a player again and trade him to a team that he explicitly had on his 10 team, no trade list. Steven, what's going on here? Okay. Well, question for you for, for the thing about cap friendly, it's, am I misunderstanding something? Cause like uh, the, the, the modified no trade clause part portion was known, but like, because I think isn't isn't the concern about which team he ended up getting traded to not being one of the teams and Cap Friendly doesn't list the teams. Yeah, but you look at that and you go, oh, he's gotten modified no trade list, which then means before he gets traded, you have to you have to ask him to submit that list and then yeah. you can trade him. And he never and they never did. Which that that part seems weird, but I guess the whole thing of the, there's something that I think that's missing in that point there. Super saying like, oh, they couldn't check Cap Friendly like. That alone just doesn't make any sense. Like, like yeah. the, there's something there that had to have been lost in communication somewhere. But this kind of reminds me of uh, Patrick Berglund. Remember um, yeah. when he went to, to Buffalo and he he had a, like 20 teams he would not agree to a trade to. And then he didn't submit it in time. So then he was allowed to be traded anywhere. Well, he ends up getting traded to Buffalo, mm-hmm. does plays there for a couple of weeks. Uh, and after a practice, it says screw this and leaves. And it's like Vodanov did not want to go to Anaheim. Like that, that makes interest because the teams announced the deal. It's not like this trade's being completely held up. Like, like it's been announced. The teams have announced it. Um, but now they've got this whole thing of well, what are they going to do for next? And it's such a weird situation because it's like, yeah, it does seem like how did this happen? Um, and. <laughs> It, it, it's like not only was his let, let, let's just look at his contract. He he had a sixty five point season in 2017-18, seven points the year after, and then he's fallen off drastically. And it's like, gee, who could have seen that coming? With considering he was playing with like Barkov and, and Huberto the whole time, he had these great line mates. Then he goes to gets to Ottawa and playing of nobody. He goes to Vegas and it, it's just turns out he's not that great of a player um, when he's not playing with some of the best players in the NHL. Um, so the whole thing's weird. It's still not even completely clear what happens next. Uh, but I feel like we might not have to wait too long to find out. Yeah. I feel like it's coming down soon. And, and, uh, I think all, all indications that it might get voided trade, like, which would, which would really, really screw up essentially what Vegas is trying to do. They have, they have an all-star team essentially on LTIR right now. And they, and a lot of the players they have on LTIR are, I mean, they make a lot of money, specifically Mark Stone, who's got like $9 million. Um, his $9 million are, are, are going to have to come onto the books again. And there's simply no room for him. And so I, by getting, by dealing away, by, by getting the 2.25 million in cap space by swapping out, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dad knob for uh, more. And then the 6.72, 6.75, I believe it is uh, of, of, Ryan Kessler, essentially they can put in their LTIR uh, slot and and build up the LTIR pool. Like that is essential for them. This is not just like a swapping out, you know, for assets and oh, you know, would it be nice to get like you know uh, get this guy for us and this that? No, like this it it is it is not good. Like it is like they need they de- they need this cap space, and so it also just goes to another another uh, troubling trend here of the Vegas Golden Knights seemingly not treating like treating players like cattle, like not treating them well. Like how many times have we heard that the, you know, that the locker room is is pissed because of how many players they keep bringing in and moving out. Like Nate Schmidt was pissed when he got traded uh, from there and, and you know how they handled Mark Andre Fleury, whether it was him finding out on Twitter and then them trading him for nothing, essentially, even though he's the reigning Vesna winner. And then, you know, and, and then now this, and there seems to be a lot of other just sort of like things bubbling under the surface for them. And they just, and there are two, there, like I said, there are two outcomes here. It's, it's one is that they, they, you know, they, they, they didn't think to look at cat friendly. And even though they don't list the teams, like it then like it shows on cat friendly, the guy's got a modified, no trade clause, which means then you have to go and ask him to submit it before you even bring them up in trade conversations. So you have to go and say like, Hey man, we're thinking of trading you. Could you please submit your 10 team, 10 team, no trade list. And then, then we go from there. Like, it doesn't matter if, if cat friendly would list the teams or not, it was, you know, it's a formality they have to do. And then they ended up trading him to a team. Like they end up trading him to a team that he doesn't want to. And I think based on how well the deal works out for them, 
and this is complete pure speculation, but based on how well the deal works out for them, the fact that they are able to, to get that much cap space just in the player for player swap. And then they take one of the biggest dead contracts still in the league right now. Like, I, I feel like this was intentional. Like I feel like, or, or at least like blissful ignorance on their part. Like, I feel like they're, they, they had a, you know, I, I, I don't see, I see no evil kind of aspect there because Anaheim's a perfect trade partner for them. They want, they're in a position to, to get picks and take on, you know, like, and, and take on these players and whatnot. They got a set, they got a second rounder um, as a sweetener. And also they have one of the biggest dead contracts in the league. Like what other, what other team could offer the value um, they would have gotten? I, it just doesn't like, it just seems too perfect of a situation to be coincidence. And it also like the team has a track record of kind of being shady when it comes to, comes to these kind of situations. I don't know. May, maybe I'm being unfair, but it just seems like that to me. It's hard to comment on that specific thing because yeah. that's more of a behind the scenes thing. And, and I don't know anything. I want to be very clear. Like, yeah, uh, like I said, just pure speculation. No, so it's hard to, it's hard to comment, but regardless, they've screwed this whole thing up. Oh, and yeah very easily and it's like i how this happens is unbelievable to, to say the least and it's been almost comical to see um again i'll just still point out that i can't believe that contract was signed in the first place um yeah and uh modify no trade clause for a guy like him not not what i would have given him you tell me pierre dorian doesn't sign good contracts you tell me you tell me that steven that's that's absurd it's ridiculous. It's hard to believe. I know, right? Well, I guess speaking of, of bad of bad sort of personnel moves that Pierre Dorian makes, uh, let's go to Travis Hamanek. For some reason, go, talk about clearing good cap space. So for some reason, Travis Hamanek, uh, uh, the Ottawa Senators go, hey, you know, we're a bad team. We should be selling off. And said, let's buy an aging defenseman who, as many reports have suggested, again, you know, we're not in this room, but as many, many reports have suggested, was not very well liked in, at any stop in his career. And now he goes to an Ottawa team that is young, that is trying to, to go up and they gave up a third round pick to take this guy who's got another year left on, on his contract at $3 million. He's not very effective anymore and he doesn't seem to be well liked. And yet Pierre Dorian is, is now going to like stake his claim on this guy. Um, why? Why do they do this? Yeah. Have you asked a Senators fan? Cause they're, they're confused too. Um, this is one where the, the report was that Hamannick only would like there was only one suitor for for him, and it's like okay, that that alone should be kind of a red flag for mm-hmm. a team if nobody else wants that asset um, for a guy that you know, you know there, there was definitely a lot of potential and and he's had some good years in the NHL, but um, not lately, not re- not lately hasn't been playing good in Vancouver, and it's like he he actually like he missed the start of the season, but then it wasn't until I believe like February that he was fully vaccinated and allowed to play everywhere like on the mm-hmm. road and stuff. Yep, uh, it's just just such a situation where like now, now if that part's over fine, but it's like now you get all these reports and all this stuff saying like teammates a little concerned bringing him in. I don't know the guy personally. I can't speak to any of that, but it does seem like there's a lot of people were just questioning why this was trade was done and it's like Ottawa didn't need to make that deal at all not at all um it's like you're telling me there was nobody better on waivers you're gonna picked up instead and Terry put him on D like as we found out yesterday like future Hall of Famer for sure Mm -hmm. um can play anything you want it just seemed like such an unnecessary trade and (laughs) it's I, I don't get it so um you know, yeah. If Ottawa's defense is something where you, you every year you kind of think, okay, when are you guys going to really improve that thing? But they still got Zaitsev up playing huge minutes and stuff like that. They they probably should actually, you know, try to make this a better team. And uh, Travis Hamonic is not the answer. Uh, so old power to Eric Branstrom right now, who's going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting with uh, Shabbat out. Steven, the rebuild's over. Like I still, th- I still think they got the potential to be yeah, the next do. Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. That's my, the, oh. that's when I made, I made that prediction before. However, am I convinced they're going to do it with this current GM? I don't think so. Are they going to be doing it with decisions like this? No. So when Pierre Dorian gets fired and Pierre Maguire takes over, you think they're going to become a Stanley Cup favorite? Like no question, because yeah. he knows where all these kids play all these players played when they were seven so yeah and that that makes a lot of that that really impacts uh how things go at the trade deadline all right let's talk about some actual you know like good players getting traded um before this was before the deadline Wait, Kamenik was a good player right we're talking like he was 
not even no, we're talking like about he, he, had a, he had a good 2010 world junior tournament yeah and so that that definitely factors in here it's like when the leafs had it's like when the Leafs are getting held back by Carlisle and people go, oh, yeah, well, he won the 2007 Stanley Cup. It's like, yeah, that was like a decade ago, but cool. All right. Um, the Boston Bruins, uh, th- there is quite the arms race going down to the Atlantic this year. Like mm-hmm. like when it, when it came to the trade deadline, every every contender, every playoff team in the Atlantic made significant moves ahead of the ahead of the deadline. Like they 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 made every team in the Atlantic who is going to make the playoffs or at least vying for the playoffs made they got, I think, at least one top ten trade chip uh, at the deadline. Boston went on went on theirs. They got defenseman Hampus Lindholm uh, from the Anaheim Ducks, along with Cody Curran, uh, and and they gave up a 2023 first rounder, a 2023 second rounder, a 2024 second rounder, Euro Vakaninen, John Moore, who then got flipped in that, or who might not have gotten flipped, we don't know, um, in that deal, and then they signed him to a. Uh, an eight year deal worth $6.5 million uh, per year that Hampus Lindholm is used to be a very good defenseman. He has not played very well lately, although that, that has something to do with the fact that he's essentially babysitting Jamie Drysdale. So maybe, you know, playing alongside an established guy in Boston, he'll be good. Um, But this is, that is a, that is a lot to give up for a guy like that. Like that is a, that is a, a lot of assets. I know the Bruins are, I know the Bruins are trying to maximize a lot, the final years of, you know, uh, of Bergeron and of, um, of Marshawn because they're getting up there in age, but man, like a first two seconds, you know, guys like, like that's, that's a lot. And then paying him for the next until he's, I believe he's 36. That's a lot to give up and a lot to commit then to a guy who's never played for you before. Yeah, like I, I still think he's better than maybe some of the numbers would suggest for him this year because again he was playing on a Ducks team that was so hit or miss great at the beginning of the season and just absolutely nothing right now and um, so I think that put it this way this is a defense core where Charlie McAvoy and Mike Riley are the top pairing and McAvoy's a good defenseman and, and Mike Riley's probably not a top line defenseman he is not no I I'm, I used to make a joke that Montreal should and Toronto should make a swap for Riley's because you know like they're they same same initials M Riley like you know like. What could go wrong? Makes there? a lot of sense. So they needed some defensive help. They got it. It was did they commit maybe a lot of money long term for sure, but part of that is something where six years, seven years from now, they'll worry about the contract then. Um, so they got a guy that they needed, uh, who they could have lost this summer. Very likely was only going to off like it, it, at this that point. It's like he's almost better sure bet than just hoping you can get something on the open market. That's better. Um, so they needed to improve their defense. They did, um, but it's something where that contract's probably gonna hurt near the end. Yeah, that's that's gonna be tough. Like he's he look. They, I think the like, I think he'll be a good defenseman for them moving forward this season. Maybe for the next year, maybe for the next two or three years. But an eight year deal right off the bat, six point five million. Like that's that's a decent chunk. Like I, you know, they're very like very you know informed people I remember uh, tweeting like you know if this if this extension is is more than like if this extension is preceded by a six um in its in its aav i mean i'm gonna be scared and lo and behold it's six my five like it's a lot but you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to see like that's that's a beautiful thing about the trades right is that like you know you, they look they might look terrible right on the offset but like we we never will fully know until the future you know it, it's it's wild. We don't have a crystal ball. We can't see into the future. It's crazy. All right. The, another Atlantic team that is gearing up one of their two major trades that they made um, the Florida Panthers. They acquired Claude Giroux, Philadelphia, former Philadelphia Flyers captain, along with German Rubstov or Herman Rubstov. I don't know. Connor Bunneman and a 2024 fifth round pick in exchange for Owen Tippett, a 2024 first round pick and a 2023 third round pick. Look, it's not a great, it's not a great package for Philly. It's not a great return, but he kind of held them hostage with his full no trade clause. He only wanted to go to Florida. You know, that all the leverage was in, was in the Panthers hands. And it kind of makes up for the overpay for Ben Sherratt that we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit. This, this makes him the clear cup favorite, right? Uh, I'm still a Tampa fan here. I still think okay. Tampa is the one, but I, I bet like Florida, by far has probably been the most improved team from the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will make an argument. I know you don't like the, the Chirot trade, but I'd say they won every single deal they did by quite a bit. Um, and really, uh, the, sorry, the, the Panthers. Yeah. I'm going to say oh. really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I'd say that for sure. And I'll, I have I have a defense for Sherrod, mostly because draft picks are so overrated. Saying that is that as a guy who covers prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, Giroux is going to make the team so much better. The offenses are going to oh, yeah. be improved. Um, and Owen Tippett, I'm a huge fan of him, following him since he was in, in uh, Bantam. So this is a guy that I really want to see do well. I think this maybe gives them an opportunity before mm. for the Panthers. Yeah, this is a team that looks like a playoff team. Uh, Giroux is the, the the secondary scoring was an issue for that team for a long time. They've now got like I, I can't say Giroux is a secondary scorer, but they've got more scoring options than Huberto and Barkov. They've also got Reinhardt. They've got Lindell. They've got a lot of guys who mm. make this team so much better than they were a couple of years ago. So right now, by far, most improved team in the, the the playoffs or heading into the playoffs. I will say about Ben Sherrod. I do want to bring that up now. Okay. Um, I, I, I was it expensive? Yes. For to bring in a guy like that. Yes. Does he make the team better? Yes. Yeah. Is this going to hurt the team in the long term? No, I do not think so. That okay. first round pick, that first round pick is going to be a late round pick. That's replaceable. Time Milanic, I like the guy. He's a third line player at best. So, and then the fourth round pick. So you've got a guy who's going to make the team better when you're going for the Stanley Cup. You gave away a first round pick, which again, I, I will argue to the death is so overrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Um, and a prospect that's good, but not great. And a fourth round pick. I don't think they're going to miss any of that. And they've got a guy that it could play heavy minutes, can play penalty kill, could be, could be a physical body. Um, and they're going to need some of that also while Aaron Eckblad's out. That That's also kind of coincidental. This trade was definitely in the works before that. Um, but uh, he makes the team better. Uh, and it was just the cost of getting someone you like. Uh, based off other trades, was an overpayment? Yes. But at the same time, it's it's – the key is to make your team better. They did without sacrificing any of the core. That's all you can ask for. No, you're hundred percent right. Like th- that is, th- they improved in every aspect. I wouldn't say that they won the trade by like leaps and bounds just because of no. how much they gave up. But like, there's two ways to look at this too. Like I love, I love the fact that they're essentially the NHL's Los Angeles Rams where they've prioritized bringing in high caliber talent, high caliber veteran talent to win now opposed to draft picks and prospects. Um, at the same time, like, now that means that there is an an absurd amount of pressure on on this franchise to do this. A franchise that, in recent memory, has has not, you know, a, a, achieved pretty much anything. And I believe that they like I, I view them as as my cup favorite. Like, there's a bit sort of like holding me back just because like it's the Florida Panthers. Like, you always have to remember like like I want to go. Okay, you know, this is a great team, but it's the Florida Panthers. Like, do we really see the Florida Panthers doing this? Like, really? But you know, hey good on them. Now, the one thing to, to note here is that they don't have a first round pick until in the next three drafts, mm-hmm. you know? And so and they don't, and I believe they don't have a second round pick until 2024. Like it's like they, they, they've given up a lot of draft capital. And I know that you say, you know, when you're going for a cup draft capital matters, but you know, believe me, being a Leafs fan, I've seen the perils of what it's like um, when, or being a Leafs observer from back in the day. Uh, I, I know what it's like to see a team um, think that they're really good, go out and get these pieces that are really good and be, and, and like the Sherrod trade, the exact same rationale was made for Nick Foligno last year. The exact same rationale was, you know, yeah, you know, they're, but they're not going to miss this because they're loading up and they're going to, they're going to go far. And, you know, this guy helps make them better and he helps with, with the injuries they're dealing with right now. And, you know, like there uh, doesn't matter about the first round pick and doesn't matter about the prospects and this, that, the other. And, when it, and if it doesn't work out, if it all comes crumbling down, that that puts that organization, that franchise, in a very tough situation. So that that that's what makes me sort of like pause. Is 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 they they are a phenomenal team, top to bottom. Especially you bring Aaron Ekblad back into the fold if he if he's healthy by the playoffs, borderline unbeatable. Like they're they're incredible. They're already scoring four goals a game, and they added Claude Giroux to their, to their top line. Like, come on, it's, it's, this is this, they're, they're playing video games out here, but that it just makes me a little hesitant when you go, when, when, especially when it's a player like Sherratt, where I feel like they, they might've been better served going out and getting someone like getting someone else paying a little extra, like why pay the Sherratt price when you could have gone out and like, I don't know, maybe figured out, like figured out a way to go get Jacob Chikrin or something like that. You know, like it's, I would have cost way more and that would probably would have hurt them more than anything. Yeah. Or, but even like, or go and get a guy like campus Lindholm, you know, like, or go, it just, it seems like they could have aimed higher if they're going to go all in is my, is, is my take, but Hey, you know, 
They're they're like you said, they are a far better team. They were already an incredible team, already arguably the best team in the league. And now they are a far better team than they were uh, after the deadline than, than they were before it. So, hey, good on them. All right. Let's get a couple trades here. Uh, well, more. I'll side to this. Oh, yeah. Also to this. If they win the Stanley Cup this year, it doesn't matter what their future oh, absolutely. whatsoever. And and that's that's what they're going for. Um, and at the same time, well, what like it's I, I still think when you get a guy like Sherrod, like it's it's a cheap guy, it, the, the salary works, and you might bring him back next year and you might keep him for a couple of years and he's not gonna cost you much. Look at how much Lindholm cost Sherrod's not gonna cost anything like that. And a lot of the so they got somebody who is not gonna cost them much if they want to bring him back, two to three million max. And then you're still in your window and you've still got a, group, a good core. Like to, to put it this way, they've got Giroux, a free agent coming up. Uh, Mason Marchman uh, got a deal with him and he's been good and he'll be at UFA. Uh, you've got, those are the two guys you really got to look for. Um, but having, you could bring them back. And again, not going to cost a lot. I like it. They, they got one second round pick next year. Um and they've got some. They've got some trade assets. They don't have the worst prospect base to work off of, but they've they they gave a guy to me that was bordering on being a top ten prospect. And that first round pick, uh, based off my own draft rankings, there's nobody there that's going to get you too exciting. Yeah, it'd be another body to have, but I'd much rather have the guy who's going to give you something now than a hope that the other Jack Hughes turns into someone really good type of thing. Yeah, man, that's a damning indictment on, on on the prospects going forward. All right. Let's talk about goaltending, Marc-Andre Fleury, Chicago Blackhawks. Look, from a pure asset perspective, like they got him for essentially nothing. Prospect that was never going to see the light of day. Um, and they flipped him for a conditional second round pick that could turn into a first round pick. Um, that's phenomenal asset management. In terms of Minnesota, I mean, they are another team, underratedly, that are going all in. I mean, they are dealing draft capital. They are dealing like, you know, they're, they're dealing players They're They are, they are right on the, on the forefront of this and they get the reigning Vesna winner who is, has not looked great um, on the Blackhawks. Then again, no one, but Patrick Kane really has, or Brandon Hagel, who is now gone as well has. Um, what do we think of this? Because we also have to talk about the trade that I guess like, like followed it, which is they send out cap uh, a 25 year old goaltender who looked pretty good in Capo Kakinen. Um, who I believe won the AHL goalie of the year two years ago. Um, so he was looking pretty good and they dealt him for, for Jacob Middleton. So I guess for, for uh, depth D help, they're, they're going in on, on a very veteran tandem, a veteran tandem where one guy's a pending UFA and the other guy's about to turn 35. Um, they're all in, like we said, what do you think of this? So I, I used to be a really big Kakanen fan, really high believer in him, but this is a guy that um, just could be such a hit or miss. Like he, he's his goals against average in his career, or yeah, yeah, goals against average his career is a two point eight nine. His save percentage is barely over nine hundred. When he's good, he could be really good. Mm -hmm. But trade him to get Flurry anytime. That's, that's oh, yeah. an easy answer. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible asset management for the Blackhawks. They they traded a guy who immediately went over to Sweden uh, to get him. Uh, so they basically traded nothing for him. Like one of the funniest trades you'll see in angel history. It just kind of had to be the, that was just the way it was for the Vegas golden Knights on the cap uh, strain. Um, but this is a team that, yeah, like you say, they're, they're, they're an older team. Their average age of the goaltending is over 35. Their defense is over 30. Um, so they're going on that veteran presence. Um, but it's a team that in a lot of cases, when they were looking good, the one thing that was missing was consistent goaltending. Mm -hmm. If Flurry's your guy, good. But also, like Cam Talbot's playing really darn good right now. Yes, too. he's like, having a great year. So it's almost like, oh, it's like, yeah, maybe maybe Cam Talbot was all you need. Probably not. Um, to, I never believed in Cam Talbot being uh, really a true starter when they signed mm -hmm. him. I thought like this guy is way too hit or miss, and there's a lot of misses. He's a great um, one B. Yeah, like exactly. He'd be a great one to be on so many teams, and he's on a pretty friendly contract, three point six million. Um, but I, I think that you, you you bring in Flurry, give him a bit of time to get into it, and he's going to be ready to go. Flurry, yeah, his stats weren't fantastic in Chicago, but it's like Kevin Lankin looks really. Yeah, Kevin Lankin looked really good last year, and even he fell off. Now, granted, that was a, a rookie coming in; no one had the book on him. He had a really fast rise to the NHL, um, but you bring in Flurry, and even he's struggling. Yeah, like the, the team is when, when your top defenseman is Seth Jones and it's it's not going to work out too well in your favor. Um, 
So Flurry going out there and playing on a team that's better defensively, physical, uh, and, and it's got the offense. I would have maybe liked to see them add another offensive piece to that team because I believe mm-hmm. the, they brought in Tyson Yost and they brought in Delorey, but I think that yeah. was it for forwards. I, I would have so. liked them. I would have liked them to go out and get a guy like Phil Castle. I think that would have oh, made a big man. difference to that team. Kessel just seems destined to be wearing a, a wild jersey, eh? Like, he just, like, Phil Kessel in Minnesota, the state of hockey, he just seems perfect. I know he grew up in Wisconsin, but he just seems very, like, he just seems like he fits that organization's vibe very well. Yeah, like, like he's a quiet guy, and the Minnesota Wild are a quiet team. When they're good, you just sometimes just forget about it. Don't even remember, because that's just, but, like, they're, they're passionate with their hockey fans, but it's like it's a team that has been so mediocre for so long that it's like when they're good, you sometimes just don't even notice. But that also isn't a bad thing in their case. They're they they're ready to go out there and be the underdogs in this. And I think that they've got a team that's capable of being pretty strong, and you've got a goalie now that makes them better than they were before. Uh, you just got to hope Flurry is can can kind of regain the form he had in Vegas. Um, that's a, saying a lot because there was going to be the natural regression no matter what um, this year, no matter what team he was on, because he's 37, you just expect it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's something where this is a good group and this is now they've got their goalie. And if he struggles, Cam Talbot's there. That's a good situation to be in. It is a great situation to be in. I couldn't agree more. All right. Let's talk about the team that really matters here. The Toronto Maple Leafs. They went out and they Seattle Kraken. You mean that's that's who we're Seattle Kraken? Yes, they have twenty thousand draft picks done. I believe it's twenty six in the next two years. Twenty five last time I checked. I think, they, think they got. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I wrote about 12. it today on hockeynews.com. You did. Yeah, what a wonderful website with wonderful writers. Incredible. Um, check, check out the top five guys who didn't get traded. Article from you should uh, definitely. Uh, some dumbass. I don't know. Uh, crazy. Anyway, Toronto Maple Leafs. They acquired Mark Giordano and and uh, Colin Blackwell. From the Seattle Kraken for a 2022 second round pick, 2023 second round pick, and a 2022 third round pick. Uh, look, I'm very hard on the Leafs. I cover the team now, you know, kind of have to be. And I am blown away that they were able to get this done with this price. This is a phenomenal price. This is this addresses two big needs that they really needed, which was a top, a like a, a legitimate, not just like a guy who can tread water, but a guy who excels in top four minutes and a, and a guy who can either jack up the, the fourth line, like really help the fourth line or even slide into, into that set, like give us, give us, you know, be given a shot on that second line winger spot um, and not give up a top prospect, not like not give up a Matthew Nyes or a Nick Abruzzese or a Topi Niemela or any, any of the, or Nick Robertson or any of those guys and not give up a first round pick, which they did again for Nick Foligno last year. And it worked out terribly. Um, he's four flying on Boston right now. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah four fine. And he's got another year on his deal. Like it's, it's, it's bad. Um, but he got a thousand games the other day. So, Hey, good for him. But a thousand games in one year. Dang. A thousand games in one year. It's crazy. I don't know. The guy's just a workhorse, man. He just lives. What a gym rat, but um, for every team at all times, every team, every game goes to town. It's awesome. Heart and soul. Good guy loves the game. Um, but uh, it, it, the only the, the thing that's holding me back from from saying the Leafs had a perfect deadline is that they had no goal. They didn't get go out and get a goaltender. Um, they had Harry Sateri viciously ripped from their arms, um, and he was the answer. I mean, both you and I know this. We're in, we're both in perfect agreement that he was. He the he, he was he had all the, those great games at the Olympics. The, clearly, yeah. the, the Olympics are the best of the best. So he the, was the, the best. Olympics there. are if there's any indicator of of any like of NHL success. It was the 2022 winter Olympic games in Beijing in the most, you know, the, the, the most low stress environment possible. Um, Giordano is a perfect dad, you know, he, whether he reunites with Brody um, and, and gives the, the leaves a terrifying uh, uh, second pairing or even a first pairing. If they want, if they want to play at that, you know, he's playing alongside uh, Timothy Lilligren right now in the third pair, which is hilarious. Um in terms of depth, I think it's fantastic. What do you, what do you think? Because you're very hard on the Leafs as, as well. Um, you with a more cynical eye, I guess, uh, from an outsider perspective. What do you think of this trade? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and dude, what almost excites me more is Colin Blackwell more yeah. than uh, than uh, uh, Giordano. Blackwell is a guy that if you're going to lose, and you probably should lose, Ilya Mikheyev. You bring Blackwell back, and mm-hmm. he's he's a better player, uh, and he can play the center and to play the wing. Like he can kind of do everything. So I like what Blackwell brings. But for Giordano, again, the fact that they didn't have to give away any of their next three first round draft picks—that's huge. That's awesome. 
uh, given I don't like know how what, they did it, g- given what Philadelphia ha- or uh, Florida had to pay, um, I'd say that he they, they came out looking pretty good. Um, this is a better team than they were last week, and that's all you can ask for. The thing about the goaltending, it's 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 if you didn't get Flurry, who were you going for? Who would have made that team better? That was a realistic trade option. The Senators re-signed uh, uh, Anton Forsberg, and even then, like having a guy like Anton Forsberg be your starter heading into the playoffs is a little dicey, no matter how good he's playing this year. It, it, it's it's for as good as he's playing, he's still a guy that, like, how many times was we was he in waivers in the last couple of years? Like, I'm not I'm not he sure. Was waived by three teams last year. Yeah, I'm not sure that's your number one answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so no, the, the, to me, there was no goalie that would have made that team better. My belief and my hope for the Leafs is Jack Campbell was just playing hurt and just didn't say anything. Uh, like, he got, obviously was hurt, but like, he was playing hurt for like weeks because we saw how good he was in the first half of the year. We saw how good he was last year. Like, there's all this talk about he's ever been a starting goalie. Well, everyone's got to become a starting goalie. Like, all starting goalies become a starting goalie at some point. They don't... Mm-hmm. They, they all don't just come to the NHL and already have 60 games of NHL starting experience in one year. They all have to make their way up to that. And he was getting there. All of a sudden, just fell off a cliff. How did that happen? The, 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 to me, he had to have been playing hurt for much longer and we're just going through it. But at the same time, it's like the Leafs were pretty safe in a playoff spot a long time ago that – if if anything, like it's 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 not a terrible thing to go through all these issues right now because they're learning, like they're they're figuring out all this adversity when they're not really concerned about missing the playoffs. That's a good situation to be. If you were the Vegas Golden Knights and they're struggling right now, they they can't afford to lose games. The Leafs mm-hmm. can't. Uh, they could try the bring out Michael Hutchinson, give him another shot of this, see if he can <laughs> no. recapture, see if he can recapture that. Care. Hey, you, you say that, but I saw him fill in for a. Uh, for Joseph Wall last week and was actually pretty good. In what um, league, Steven? That, you know, the, 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 the amazing hockey league. That's what yeah, the that's AHL true. stands for. So he's, it's, that's it's they better than call. the, why there aren't it's the just... amazing hockey league or the nobody hockey league. I'll take the amazing hockey league over any day. Why are they, um, why do they call it the American hockey league? There, there, there are three, I believe it's three Canadian teams in it now. Change, few, it yeah. to, change it to the amazing hockey league. What's going on yeah. here, guys? It's like when, when the ECHL stopped becoming just East coast teams, they became just the ECHL. No yeah, longer it, makes no, it makes no sense. So at this point, just called the amazing hockey league and it makes the players look amazing when they're going to go sign contracts. Um, exactly. The leading score in the amazing hockey league. Easy, like superstar. Um, but yeah, to me, there was no better goalie they could bring. Uh, you'd be bringing in goalie depth. And that was, I think the idea of Harris to Terry. And, and while, the Coyotes picking up was pretty funny. It's like the yeah, Coyotes don't funny. have a backup. They didn't have a backup goalie. <laughs> they well, they traded needed. their backup goalie. Yeah, so they needed somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that whole thing was funny. Uh, legitimately, Morazic would have probably made them a better team, but um, marginally. Um, mm-hmm. And Sateri was just a body at that point. Like he's, he would have not. He, to me, he's not better than Joseph Wall is or or Shilgren at this point. Um, or Shilgren. But as much as I like. Uh, uh, Sateri, but this is a guy who, who played like nine games in like 10 NHL seasons. So yeah. do, do the math there. Um, so the Leafs to me are a better team. Uh, they didn't improve as much as some of the other teams. I think that was the one argument for them, but it's like at the same time, it's like when, when this team was going on all cylinders, they're a good group. And, 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 and while they're starting always hurt, Jake Muzzin's out. Um, Rasmus Sandin's out right now, obviously it doesn't matter for games like the loss against Buffalo mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but it's like, if they could just kind of, get this full healthy team and, and get your goalie back. They're a good group. The, the thing about them is they're still scoring a lot. They're still yeah. getting some good. Like that's the only it's, reason it's, they're winning. They're not losing these games for nothing every night. They're, they're scoring still. Yeah. They're giving up a lot, but it's like Morazic's not playing well. He's, he's having a really Ooh. terrible season. You've got him for two more years after this. Um, your, your, your fill-in guy after that is a rookie playing his first few games. And then your other options are Michael Hutchinson and Joseph Wool, who just got hurt. So, Unfortunately, that's a tough situation. That doesn't excuse the bad goaltending Campbell had. But maybe the hope is that Campbell is going to truly be healthier than he had been for the month before. And it, it's it's going to be something where, good thing they didn't make a goal trade. I, I would trust Dubas in this case. I feel like they're this is something that they would not mess around with. Damn. All right. Let's 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 do let's finish off with three trades here. We got two Pittsburgh, Ricard Raquel. This is a giant, a giant, giant, giant signing. I think for them gives gives them a second line winger to play with Evgeny Malkin that they they very much need. Um, and sending back uh, uh, to Anaheim is Zach Aston Reese, Dominic Simone, 
and uh, I guess another prospect. Uh, I believe it's Kale, uh, Cali Klang. Yeah, Cal Klang, yeah. Yeah, who Cal is Klang, a yeah. who is a goaltender and seemingly highly touted. Like uh, a, a lot of uh, Penguins beat writers have said that he's actually pretty highly touted. So good on them for that. And to be fair, yeah. to be fair, Pittsburgh has one of the absolute worst prospect systems in the entire NHL. Oh well, yeah, they've traded them all to to extend this window with Crosby and Malkin, and uh, and as well as a 2022 second round pick. Look, I think I think a lot we can say here um, about Florida uh, applies to the Penguins in the sense that, I mean, they they are a better team now. I mean, the futures and the prospects and, and the depth forward they gave away, it doesn't really matter when they're trying to maximize and, and squeeze as many sort of uh, drops of success out of the rain, out of the, the final years of the Malkin and Crosby era with Latang possibly even walking um this offseason and even Malkin too, he's coming up as a free agent. Um, this, I, I think this, I think this fits perfectly. I think, I think Ricard Raquel seems Ricard Raquel seems like one of those Pittsburgh type players, you know, like a guy who comes in and just become like, and just fits in very seamlessly. He seems like one of those guys. I don't, I don't know. This is just a vibe situation. But he's also like playing alongside some not great players in Anaheim. Now he's playing alongside some of the best players to ever have played uh, in Pittsburgh. I think you'll, I think you'll fit in really well. Uh, Pittsburgh put this thing out where they they kind of just they made their better a few years ago. It's like we're just going to continue trading to keep this momentum mm-hmm. alive with Crosby and Malcolm when they got them, and, and that's what you got to do. You get two of the best players in the league for these decades. You you capitalize it until there's nothing left. Exactly. Um, and, and on, on the Hockey News podcast, uh, Ryan and I said Raquel to Pittsburgh makes the most sense because they go out there and they get that extra scoring depth. Because this whole story for for, for Pittsburgh was um, they continue to make trades, but they never really had like these really great wingers. And they've tried. They've had Hosa. They've had Castle. They've had guys who've been good, but they didn't really have any of these really good wingers who can who can they can bring in for trades and make a huge impact. And Brian Russ and Jake Gensel have been great. Dan Heinen's been good. Evan Rodriguez having a good season. Now you throw Raquel and you're probably putting him with Malkin. You're putting Rodriguez in your third line. Then your third lines involving Jeff Carter and Evan Rodriguez. Well, that's a good group there too. So, uh, and eventually Jason Zucker, I believe is going to return. So that's a much better team than like the, the, that's a that's a solid team. This is a group that, based off of all the injuries and COVID and everything going on at the beginning of the year, this they should have not even been close to playoff contention. Oh yeah, and here they are. Um, and, and you get Crosby in the playoffs, and you get Malcolm in the playoffs, and you, you get Latang. Those are guys who know what they're doing. And I will say, playoff experience can be very overrated, one hundred percent, because these guys have all played a championship games at some level, and these guys are to them it's just another hockey game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. To, there's that, but you've got a goalie who's playing well too. You, this is a tough team to play against a tough team to stop. So uh, it, it's also amazing that they've made Michael Matheson like this, like capable defenseman again. <laughs> it's cool to see that. It's that's, so. that's one of the most remarkable, like how are we not, I wrote about it recently, but how are we not talking about that? Michael Matheson went from like one of the, one of the most like on one of the worst contracts in the league, you know, a laughing stock, really a meme. And now, now he's playing phenomenal hockey. That that is remarkable. Sorry to interrupt you, but that is a remarkable. I, I always, to be fair, I well, see, I, I believed in him, and it's because of I saw him. This is going to sound stupid. I saw him play at the World Championship. I'm like, man, this guy's actually like has all the skill. If he would just stop giving the puck away and stop being a menace in his own zone, he's got the talent, and it's like he's figured it out. So it's pretty cool. But th- this is a team that looks good. And they've they're running out of time to make this work. Malkin's a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, like you would assume if he wouldn't be going anywhere, but and you would maybe hope he would take a pay cut there, given he's thirty five. Never but, know. But you you don't know. So this could be the it for Crosby and Malkin. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, but it could be. And you want to make sure you take advantage of that. And you also got to worry about Latang's contract. You got to worry about Brian Ross, who's having a good year. Uh, Raquel's probably just a, a rental. Uh, Evan Rodriguez is going to probably cost more than a million dollars. Um, they're they're going to have some big decisions to make. So you got to go for it. So to me, no brainer. Didn't give up anything that to me concerns them, and uh, it looks good. Absolutely. All right. By the way, the you saying he looked good in the World Championship is. Uh is maybe the most on-brand sentence you've ever said. Um, so hey, you know, I, I was very, I wrote an article after William Nylander won in his world championship thing. I'm like, next year he's going to kick ass. It's going to be like the best season of his career. And it's like he, he, he had a rough year, just seemed to, nothing was going well. Then he goes and becomes the guy for Sweden and just goes on a scoring rampage. And one of the best world championship performances we've ever seen. And yeah, yeah. Love it or hate it, the tournament. There's, there's value to it. And mm-hmm. 
look how good Wheeling Nylander's become. There you go. All right, let's finish off with two trades. Um, to the New York Rangers is Andrew Kopp and a 2023 sixth round pick. To Winnipeg is Morgan Barron, two conditional second round picks. Uh, one of one of which could become a first round pick and then a 2023 for fifth round pick. Now, see, Stephen, I explained that and I didn't um, do it in riddles. I didn't uh, uh, make it impossible to read from. A... So I didn't understand it. So I I, 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 Sorry, I, yeah. I, I need you to, to make it impossible to understand. Let me do. Let me do. A, uh, uh, let me let me explain it in a tweet thread that actually just me like quote tweeting myself and going all it, it's crazy. Um, but all right, here we go. Andrew Cobb. Look, I was. I was actually very unaware. I will, I will stake. I will admit my ignorance on this. I was unaware at, at how good of a season Andrew Kopp was having this year, and he is a phenomenal depth get uh, for the Rangers. They def, they desperately need secondary scoring behind, um, behind Panarin, Zabinajad, and Kreider, uh, and they just got it. And while you know it's a bit of a decent price to give up, I mean could potentially become a first round pick, uh, another conditional second round pick, Morgan Barron. You have some thoughts on him. Um, fifth round pick doesn't really matter, but like still it's, it, it, it's, I think it's a win-win in the sense that like, like a, a cop is a great ad for a Rangers team that is ahead of the curve. It seems um, on their rebuild and now are trying to go for it. Um, and also for Winnipeg who like cop was not going to resign. They seem to be on the downswing of their current year as a franchise um, and they just got some great assets. So I think it's kind of a win-win. What do you think of this, of this swap here, Stephen? See, statistically, he's having a little, he, he's actually had a slight downgrade from last year where he was really starting to arrive kind of as this big, mm-hmm. this big player, but uh, you have, you, you could do worse than a guy who was probably going to get close to 20 goals this year. Um, it, you could do a lot worse than that for a, for a trade like that. So the rain, the, again, the cost of business when you're trying to win, it's a little higher than it's you might high, think. man. It's high. Uh, so they went on gut cop. I think cop's going to be this good guy who will make your bottom six way better. Scoring depth is good. Um, Still questions about the defense overall, but uh, they also bring like Tyler Mott, fast guy, hits hard, makes it tough. He's a tough guy to play against. Uh, again, the Rangers are a better team than they were a couple of days ago. It's to, to me, there were not a lot of teams that got worse from the trade deadline, but the Rangers definitely like to, maybe to me not the most exciting deadline, but one where you, you, all the teams in the East are making moves. You got to do something. They did it, and I think they look good. They do look good. They need, like you said, they need depth scoring. They didn't like, this isn't a crazy package to give up. I think it's fine. All right. And then moving on to our final big trade of the day, somewhat big. We want to clarify more. The only, the only person who got traded on deadline day, who I have received a body check from in my career, Michael McNiven uh, for future considerations. Yeah. It's huge. Also Alex Biega shout out that era. Um, it's going to be really touching it, it, uh, when Nashville returns. Uh, they don't this season, but um if he if he resigns me crazy, All right? Max Domi heading to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, uh, the Florida Panthers sort of laundered that contract by retaining, I believe, it was fifty percent of, of his deal um, by get and getting a sixth round pick uh, for or no by twenty five percent of his deal, then getting a sixth round pick uh, for their for their trouble, and then Columbus getting Aiden Hreschuk and goal per game player Igor Korshkov, um, you know, Leafs legend, uh, dare I say. In the process, um, listen, Max Domi's value clearly here has plummeted um, the last little bit. He is, despite him having a bit of an offensive offensive resurgence this year, uh, when you actually look at his as counting stats, he's he's playing less than he's playing under, uh, or at least either a little bit above or a little bit below thirteen minutes per game on a Columbus Blue Jackets team that's not exactly you know rife with offensive depth, um, but. On a Hurricanes team, you know, that, that again, is going for it. They're, it's always a good time in the league when teams are going for it. And uh, I think he could make some sense as a depth guy, you know, an energy guy. He, he, as, like I said, as a guy who has been hit by Max Domi in his career, you know, I played him in a summer tournament uh, uh, when I was playing in the GTHL and my shoulder blades touched when he, when he hit me. It was, it was brutal. Um, you don't want to face this guy for seven straight games. Uh, in in the corners, if you're if you're you know a fourth line or a third line guy, it makes it's it's fine. It's it, it, it's decent, and I I think you know as much as I might not like Max Domi the person, um, I think you know his fit on the Carolina Hurricanes as like as a team it makes a little bit of sense. What do you think? This is a team that didn't need any. Top six scoring. They got it in Jarvis, Snitches, mm-hmm. Svechnikov, Terbine, and guys like that. Um, Aho, obviously. Um, 
but you put them in your bottom six, a bottom six that's got Jesper Fast, it's got Derek Stepan, Nito Niederreiter, uh, Jordan Stahl, Cockney Emmy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's yeah. a pretty good bottom six. Um, and you can play wing, you can play center. Um, that's a good group. And they didn't get worse for them for that. Um, and th- this is a team that it's probably going to be to me, I think we'll win a cup in the next couple of years. Cause like they've got a good defense group. Like if Jake Gardner was playing all year long, um, who's your odd man out? Would it be Ethan bear? Maybe would it be Ian Cole? Yeah. Well, Ian Cole's a pretty good third pair defenseman. So like, that's a group that even with the guys who are hurt, not playing like they're, they're strong. Um, and got Freddie Anderson that needs to be, needs to take a step up in the playout. Like obviously have a great season, no question about it, but like, he's mm-hmm. gotta be, he's got to, do some heavy lifting in the playoffs because he's got to be the best goalie in one of the, at least one of the playoff series that he plays in. Cause he's yes. he never was that in Toronto. No. And he, he was never the reason why the Leafs lost, but then he would just allow this one bad goal. And like yeah. that, that change everything. Um, so uh, Domi there again, didn't give up anything too drastic there. I, I love that deal for them. And he, he's not the player that a lot of people hoped he would be when he went to Montreal from that trade. But um, the, he, he, I feel like this is probably a good fit for him. Uh, he doesn't have to be a big offensive leader. He can kind of mellow out, go to the bottom. And he, like you said, he's a tough player to play against. Matchup wise, things might really work out for him. Damn. All right, Steven, before we head out here, give me your favorite move of the deadline trade or signing, and then we'll sign off. It's it, it, like, this will sound like a meme, but I told you this yesterday uh, that the Brian Little and Nathan Smith trade to, uh, mm-hmm. To Arizona, I don't remember what that trade fourth round pick. Um, mostly because Nathan Smith, I think, is not far away from being a top six player on that team. And uh, while it's easy to overvalue like older college players, I do think Nathan Smith's going to be this guy that is going to be like, wow, more teams should have gone after him. Uh, kind of like Jim McBain uh, when they also went to Arizona. So Arizona looked pretty sneaky good with some of those deals they made. Man. All right, Stephen. Well, it was a crazy deadline day. It was an honor to to trudge through it with you. Um, and you know, find you can find the podcast on the hockeynews.com and all other podcatchers under the sun. What a what a lovely time of the year. Now we now it's where the chips are down. These games matter. The, the playoffs are 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 coming up. We'll have to see. All right. Take care, Stephen. Thanks so much.